Hello and welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White and this is the only official podcast of Waxwork.com where there are things that are besides this podcast, but this podcast is the main thing right now. So that's the thing about it. I am here with my three co-hosts. So first of all, we have Frank Allen right here. Hello, this is Frank Allen and I am, as he said, myself, one of the co-hosts. Probably the best, but definitely the first. I don't know what that means, Frank. Well, neither do I, but it's probably true. I, I guess I was the first, I was your first co-host out of these three. I joined the show before Rory did, uh, or before Scapey did, or before anybody did, so I was first. All right, I guess that's true. Speaking of Scapey, Scapey's also here. He's my cat, and he's the second co-host. Hello! Um, I don't really have anything to say. But that's fine, because we have other things to talk about anyway, I'm sure. So, on to our fourth co-host. Now, I know people who listen to the show regularly will probably think, oh, the fourth co-host, um, it must be Roy Sinjin is out of jail early. Uh, it, it isn't. He's not. He's still in jail. We have a guest co-host filling in for Rory. Not replacing Rory, but filling in for Rory. You see, it's a different thing. This is a, you, you, you'll know her from an episode earlier in this season of Guard Duty. Her name is Dana DeZago. Hello, Jordan. It's very nice to be on your podcast. Well, thank you. Intr- introduce yourself to everybody. Tell everybody who you are. Uh, well, as you've already said, my name is Dana DeZago. I am a reporter, uh, and I do sometimes play a reporter on your show from back in the day. I joined you because I knew Frank Allen from uh, some journalism classes I took a while ago. Um, I met him and then he sort of disappeared. Uh, did you drop out or a flunk out? No, no. It was a it was an inferior course of study, so I, I, I stopped going because I knew I already knew more than the, the people who taught it. I, I was already experienced. I see. Uh, well, anyway, uh, that's how I ended up uh, on your show. Frank invited me to uh, to play a reporter occasionally, and uh, and so I'm back now. I'm in Chicago usually, but uh, I do field reporting, and sometimes I come into New York. So here I am. Excellent, excellent, Frank. You in, you invited her to come be on guard duty back when she was on. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I wasn't. That wasn't really why I, I called, but. Yeah. Well, then what? What are you? What were you doing? Why did you call her up? Well, because I mean, she was. I it, I was calling about getting an opportunity on a show, but not her getting an opportunity on the show I was on. I was calling to try to get an opportunity on the show she was on. Yes, me being uh, much more well known in the industry due to my inferior schooling. Well, no, it wasn't about the schooling. It was about. I mean, why would you be famous for inferior schooling? It would. It was because you you were lucky enough to have an accent. I'm I'm sorry, Frank. I um I think I just misunderstood. Understood you there. Did you? Were you trying to say because I had talent? No, you have a British accent. British accent. It's, uh, it makes you more noticeable, more memorable. People are like, oh, give it to the person with the accent. Personally, I think that explains a lot about. I mean, you're very talented too, coincidentally. But if you weren't, probably still be set. You got a British accent. I don't have an accent. I just speak normal. That's why people kind of tend to overlook me. You. You have an accent to me. Perhaps have you tried maybe somewhere else, Britain or, or Europe somewhere? You'd be different there. Everybody there has an accent. They'd all have it over me. It doesn't make any sense. I would be like the lowest rung on the bottommost ladder if you stacked the ladders. The point is, I would... I mean, it exp- look, it explains a lot. How do you think Rory gets where he is? Jail, you mean? No, I mean, in success-wise, the other stuff that this isn't in jail is because he has an accent. People take him more, well, seriously, so to speak. But you know what I mean. They just kind of go, oh, listen to that guy. He's talking 
him with an accent. And like I said, coinc- no offense, because coincidentally, you, you've got talent. Well, since we're being so honest, uh, I think really Rory is, uh, is quite successful here because he recognizes stupidity and ignorance where he can find it. In America, that would be. And, uh, and can feed on that with his uh, making up stories to make people feel better. Well, I mean, he is just making up stories. You mean he's a con man? Pretty much, yeah. But you're giving him some sort of credit for that? I'm saying, look, he, he found an audience that would take it. So he's successful. I'm just, I'm explaining it. I'm saying this is not an accent thing. This is, um, this is some sort of talent, whether it's reporting or, you know, finding an audience that will take his, uh, bunkum. No, no, because that's not, it's, be- I'm saying they wouldn't listen to him. Well, okay, watch. I'll, I'll prove it. Uh, hey, uh, Dana. Yes, Frank. Give me five dollars and I'll tell you a story that I made up. No. See? I'm English. What's your point? You're American. So you won't, because I don't have an accent. You won't do it. No, I'm saying it would be the other way around. You are more intelligent than most, but it would be the other way around. It would be me coming from Britain with a, you know, a history of doing extra historical studies, which obviously in Britain nobody believes anymore, and coming here to America, and, and they don't, ju- he doesn't say, I'm going to make something up for you. He says, I'm going to tell you something true, uh, very much like your psychics. I'm going to tell you something true, give me money. And, uh, and they do. It just so happens that he's lying. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that Frank is all that smart. I mean, I don't know if you listened last week. He thought that guy was the Duke of York. Okay, but that's actually a good point because that guy had an accent, which is why I would listen to him. And I thought, guy has an accent. He must be telling the truth. Now, it didn't work on me for Rory, so it doesn't work all the time. But it clearly does work. Does that mean that I can be famous because I have an accent? Well, it's not really so much of an accent as like a speech impediment. Oh, dick. Scapey, I tell you what. Uh, if you give me some of your moist food, I'll make you famous. What's in it for me? Fame. I just said fame. Yeah, but what do I get? Everybody loves you. Everybody knows you and loves you. Then will they give me moist food? Yes. Alright, well tell you what. I won't give you my moist food, but maybe someday I would. You see, Frank, the, I mean, I'm working with a cat, but the point is that he at least considered it, right? I, I didn't just go, hey, Scape, uh, give me some of your moist food and uh, I, you know, I'll lie to you. What, wait, no, but you said you give me some of your moist food and you'll make him famous. I'm assuming you were going to make him famous. That would have been a fine deal. No, I wasn't going to. That's the point. This is what Rory does with people. He goes, give me some money and I'm going to tell you something true or I'm going to do something for you, but he doesn't mean it. Wait, no. Why would you say, no, I mean, you said you were going to make him famous. Why would you say that if you weren't going to make him famous? I was proving a point that uh, that the audience here is much more susceptible to this kind of thing, and that's why Rory is so successful. This isn't an accent. No, it's different because you said you were going to make him famous. If you offer him something that you can actually do, he'll he'll go along with it. If you said you could make me famous, I would let you make me famous. Why would you have any reason to believe I could make you famous? Can you? Sure, I could do a, a fake story on you on TV, but I'd probably say something like, look, uh, Frank Allen, stupidest man in America. And then everyone, I mean, fame isn't necessarily a positive thing. All right, well, I don't want you to do that then. But if the offer is just fame, how do you know? All right, well, let's, let's work this out. I'll give you moist food, and you do a story about how awesome I am, and how I'm a great host that is untapped. I don't want moist food. I was asking Scape for something he could give me. He doesn't have money. Well, he doesn't have moist food either. If he had moist food, he wouldn't be asking us for it. I've got moist food. I've, I work at a supermarket. It's it's like a dollar a can. I can get as much as you need. He has a certain quantity of it here in the house, and uh, and I'm asking him to sacrifice some for fame. Look, this is a stupid argument. Why are we even talking about it? I was making a point. But my point is, you can make me famous. I've got moist food. Jordan, a little help here, please. Am I, am I stupid? 
stupid? Am I missing something here? No, you're not stupid. You're not stupid. It's just that, um, you know, people get crazy about moist food. That's all. Maybe we should go to the first uh, show. I think that's an excellent idea. What have we got lined up? We have Like Mother. Uh, it's episode number eight. It's called Alias. Um, Dana, do you want to tell everybody what happened in the last episode? Um, no. Not really. No, go ahead. I, you know, I, I usually do it, but you're a guest. I... I mean, I thought we had determined this before we started recording. I'm not, maybe I was unclear, but I, I don't really have a, a whole lot of time to listen to your podcast, so I don't really know where we were last time. Oh, well, uh, that's funny that you should say that because I can tell you exactly where we were. We, where we were was Pandora. There's, okay, there's this girl, Pandora, darling. Her mother seems like she's crazy. She kills people. Maybe she does. Yes. In fact, she definitely does because we've seen her do it. And she thinks there's all sorts of conspiracies going on involving this group called Cask. They end up at some sort of giant protest in Seattle where there's this guy named Jason Brandt doing a speech for the workers, and uh, she says there are people trying to kill him. So they kill a bunch of people who she says are trying to kill him, and they make off with him. How does that sound? Sounds like intrigue. Why don't we listen? All right. Mother, Episode 8, Alias, by Guinevere Eckert. Tabitha Page Wentworth was more than annoyed. It had been just over 24 hours since she had last spoken to her best friend, Pandora Darling. Of course, it had been about a week since she and Pandy had had an actual conversation. According to the rules of best friendhood, it was Pandy's solemn duty to inform Tabby immediately if something went wrong. Should she fail, it was Tabby's duty to wring it out of her, even if she had to resort to literally wringing. Tabby had been prepared to do just that, which is why she found herself on the darling's doorstep the next morning. Handy? Pandy, open up! Where are you? Tabby had been annoyed and even felt a little betrayed when no one came to the door. On her way home, though, Tabby realized that she probably shouldn't blame the absence of her best friend on said best friend. She knew that Mrs. Darling was a stewardess, and though responsible, sometimes quite absent-minded, and tended to whisk Pandora across the country without more than five minutes' notice. But it was when Tabby settled down with a fuzzy pillow and a dish of M&Ms to watch the special coverage of the G8 Summit protest speech of Jason Brandt that mild annoyance turned into a full-blown case of infuriation directed towards her best friend. Mom! Oh my god, Mom! What did you just do? What... Crap, it's Tabby. Tabby? Hi. How are you? Pandora Claire, darling, how could you? Tabby? How could I do what? What are you- You've been practically 
ignoring me for a week, Pandy. You're all distant, you brush me off, you promise to call me, and then you don't. And now I settle in to watch the G8 summit protests by myself, I should add, after we made plans weeks ago to watch them together. Remember that? And who do I see on the TV but you and- TV? You saw us on TV? Could this get any worse? TV! Rocket awesome! Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! Crap. I had hoped we'd be able to get away before the cameras were up and running. Strap in, everyone. We've got to- Would everybody please shut up for one minute? Everybody? Who's everybody? Did I happen to hear, say, Bobby Kurtzman with you? Yeah, he's here. Listen to me, Tabby. So you admit it. You ditched me, Tabby, your best friend, to go on some hippie rendezvous with the Tweedledee of Carousel High? Um, what? No! Tabby, let me explain. I know it looks like we have Abducted. Abduction. Right, Pandy. I've heard a lot of crap from you this week, but please, I'm not stupid. Wait, so you didn't see the shootings? What are you talking about, Pandora? You know what? I don't even want to know. I might be tempted to care if my best friend spent a week lying to me so she could have her 20 seconds of fame hand in hand with some pimply geek, but I don't have a best friend. So I guess it doesn't matter now, does Tabby, it? Tabby, Tabby! <sighs> Mom? Yes, Potato? I hate my life. Now, Pandy, honey, why would you even say that? You have a mother who loves you. You're getting a great education. We may not be rich, but you've never complained. You get to see more of the country than most people your age, and you have a sweet boy who's hopelessly devoted to you. Mom! What? Look, just because you have a little tiff with Tabby doesn't mean it's the end of the world. These things happen, honey. I promise, by the time we get back home, this little argument will be as good as forgotten. I wish I could say that about everything in my life. What was that, honey? Nothing, mother. So guys, where are we going? I know a great little place downtown where we can grab a latte. Man, that sounds great. I haven't had anything to eat since that Coke on the plane. Come to think of it, I don't remember taking more than one or two sips of that. I must have been really tired. Sorry, Mr. Brandt, but we need to get you out of here before those... er... aliens get you? Oh yeah, I almost forgot about them. Good thing you remembered, though. I could have been dead. Right. Um... Mom, what are you planning on doing with him? Mr. Brandt, you are to be flown out of this area. Oh, sorry. No can do, ma'am. Too many aliens at the airport. Mr. Brandt, I give you my word there will be no aliens on the plane that I will personally put you on. You'll be safe in the air because, um, aliens can't fly. Right! I totally forgot about that. You're so smart, Mom. Bobby gave Jason an awkward look and slid closer to the car door. Pandora leaned over. And whispered to her mom. So, how did the aliens get here if they can't fly? Beats me. But the only way to get through to whack jobs is to play along. And this guy's a doozy. Pandora gave her mom a weary look and sat back in her seat. She watched the formerly familiar route to the airport go by and worried. She worried about her grandparents, her real grandparents, and hoped they were all right. She worried about the nut in the back seat. She worried about how to say no if Bobby ever got the guts to ask her to the homecoming dance. And she worried about Tabby. Mom... We're not going to get into a firefight or go flying off a bridge any time in the next five minutes, are we? Don't be silly, Potato. The worst that could happen is that we'll end up plowing through a barricade or two and maybe dodging a few taxiing airplanes. What? Excuse me, I'd like to protest that. I've already gotten shot in the head once and I'd really like it if I didn't make a habit of it. I only wanted to go to protest to see Mr. Brandt speak and now there's dead people and fake people and... And Pandy, we kidnapped Jason Brandt! And my head hurts. Are you sure we shouldn't go to the hospital? I... Mr. Kurtzman, do you by any chance remember what happened the last several times you, shall we say, freaked out in this fashion? What? Wait, um, I guess I don't. 
Wow, that's really weird. And there's a reason for that. Huh? She means shut up or I'll knock you out and drug you again. Pandora, that's a terrible thing to say. Whoa there, Mom. I don't mean to cut in on other people's business, but if we're going to have trouble with the fuzz, I can't be associated with drug runners. That would be way damaging for my rep. Don't worry, Mr. Brandt. I don't work with illegal substances. Besides, you'll be long gone before it comes time for any confrontations with Seattle's finest. If you're sure the airplane will be safe. I don't want to escape them once, only to be off to 30,000 feet. Mr. Brandt, I've worked as a stewardess since before my daughter here was born. I promise everything will be fine. You just have to remember to do exactly what I tell you once you land. Right. Yes, ma'am. What did you tell me to do? (laughs) Nothing yet. Should we be apprehended before takeoff, I don't want you to have anything to hide from the police. So I'll walk you through it on the way to the plane, okay? Mom, what I was getting at is, can I call Tabby back? Whoa! Pandy was thrown against the passenger side window as her mother took a sharp turn, crashed through the gate of a parking garage, sped up to the third level, and screeched to a halt in spot 13C. In a moment, dear, but make it quick. I may need you in a hurry. But I thought we were going to the airport. What on earth would give you such a silly idea, young man? There are entirely too many bystanders there. But you said he was going to fly out of here. Do you really think I could trust someone so important to those ill-trained imbeciles? Mr. Brandt will be taking advantage of some of my connections in the form of a private jet. Mr. Brandt, if you'll follow me. Hope got out of the car and peered out into the street. A worried look distorted her face, and she leaned back into the car. Pandora, I want you to listen to me very carefully. Jason and I are going to go into that building over there. You two are to stay here. Are you following so far? I don't want to confuse you, so if you need me to repeat anything like the fact that you are to stay here, let me know. Now when I leave, you two stay here. I don't care what you see, or what you hear, or who comes out, or who you think comes out, or anything. Stay here. When I come over to you and tell you that Sally sells seashells down by the seashore, show you my tattoo, and recite your social security number backwards, you are to unlock the door, let me in, and cut out of here like the apocalypse is behind you. You can plow through the exit lever, but there's a stoplight about a block after that that the cops love to sit at, so keep an eye out. Any questions? No, Mother, of course not. Bobby, dear, I'm putting you in charge of making sure my sweet potato doesn't do anything very, very stupid. See you in a little while, kids. With a wave and a smile, Mrs. Darling loped off through the garage towards the entrance elevator. Pandy leaned her forehead against the wheel and sighed. Bobby climbed through the space between the seats and settled into the passenger seat. Did you leave anything in the back seat? Um, I don't think so. Why? Good. Let's go. But, Pandy, your mom specifically said to stay here. Psh, whatever. Come on. Pandy. If we leave now, we can be back at the airport in time for the 9 o'clock plane back to New York. I'll have this whole thing with Tabby straightened out before noon tomorrow. Pandy pulled at her door handle. Nothing happened. She looked over at Bobby, who was holding his finger resolutely on the automatic lock button. Bobby, unlock the doors. No. Excuse me, this is my mom's rental car. You are a guest. Now unlock the doors. No, Pandy. Your mom said to stay here. There's no doubt about it. She's totally nuts, but even though I've gotten shot and knocked out, and I think you even said something about my memory being erased, well, like you said, I haven't died yet. And, and, well, I'm not about to start. As Pandora stared slack-jawed at this new version of Bobby, the quiet outside of the car was shattered by the noise of something exploding. Far above the garage level on which they were currently parked. Mom! It was in that moment that Pandora Darling lost it. 
She started screaming, yanking the handle of the locked car door and throwing herself Mom! against the ah! windows. Let me help! Penny! Penny, Penny! Bobby, let me help, please! You have to let me out of the car! My mom! Your mom told us to stay here, and that's exactly what we're doing! Pandora paused. She leaned in front of Bobby and rifled through the glove box, the armrest, and finally reached under her seat. Bobby! Please don't make me do this. Bobby's resolve faltered in the face of a 45 caliber semi-automatic handgun. Let me out of this car. Pandy, um, don't you think you're taking this a bit too far? Now! Okay, okay, just don't shoot me! Can, can I say one thing first? Make it quick. Pandora lowered the gun, having enough sense to know that accidents do happen. And just because you shoot one person does not make you an expert. Bobby, counting on Pandora's genius, dove forward, grabbed Pandy by the shoulders, and kissed her. Inside the burning building, Hope Darling was picking her way through what was once the cafeteria. She rounded a corner and stopped, squinting at a pile of sushi packages that appeared to be breathing. Gotcha. Hope inched around the corner and over to the mess. Keeping her handgun trained on the shifting lump of raw fish, she nudged it with her foot. Nice to see you again, Annette. Hope paused and squinted at the young woman's identification badge. Or should I say, Joan? Did Jason Brandt's plane take off before the explosion? Will Pandy and Tabby ever speak again? Is Bobby Kurtzman a dead man? What psychotic mission is Mrs. Darling on now? Find out in next week's especially thrilling continuation of Like Mother, Habeas Corpses. In that episode of Like Mother, uh, the narrator was Charles Berman. Pandora Darling was Guinevere Eckert. Hope Darling was Lynn Nelson. Tabby was Ava Rosenblatt. Bobby Kurtzman was Jordan D. White. And Jason Brandt was Elijah Weberhand. The theme song was by Jordan D. White. Thank you, Frank. And now uh, we are up to, well, interestingly enough, we are up to Rory Sinjin's part of the show. But this is actually uh, super not Rory Sinjin's part of the show this time because, well, as you know, Rory's not here. And as a result of him not being here, he can't do Where Are They Now in History to update the This Day in History. But in addition to that, this This Day in History is from a time when he was sick for a week. And so there's a replacement person doing This Day in History as well. So we've got no Rory Sinjin voice on this entire episode of the show. Well, that's not necessarily true. I, I mean, I think you're probably right, but you might not be right. But why? Well, uh, you'll see. Okay. Anyway, uh, last week I said Frank couldn't do Where Are They Now in History anymore because all he does is uh, talk about how terrible it is. Well, it, it, I mean, because it's terrible. Thank you. Um, I said I would get somebody else to do it, and uh, that's the reason that Miss Dana Dezego is here, because she, in fact, did uh, Where Are They Now in History for me earlier this week. How, how was that experience for you? It's a lot of fun, Jordan. Uh, I mean, as I explained, England doesn't really buy into the whole uh, extra history thing anymore. This is categorized along with, the, you know, psychics and the lot. So, you know, it, we find it ridiculous, but it was a lot of fun to just make something up for you. I'm sorry, you don't believe in psychics? <laughs> no, of course not. What about, like, Robin? 
from from Batman and Robin. He's not. He's a superhero. He's not psychic. Not to mention, we don't believe in superheroes. I'm sorry. Oh, you said psychic. Yes. I thought you said sidekick. No, I'm sorry. Psychic. Uh, um, Miss Cleo, etc. She's not anybody's psychic. No, she's a psychic. Well, she's not. There's no such thing as psychic. She claims to be a psychic. There are lots of people who claim to be able to predict the future, and uh, we don't believe that you can. Most of us, anyway. So I'm, I'm sorry. Whose sidekick does she claim to be? Should we? Should, can I spell it for you? Person's name? No. The word I'm saying that you don't seem to be able to say. I can say any word that I need to say. What? I don't understand. Okay, say this word. P-S-Y-C-H-I-C. Psychic. That's what I've been saying. Okay. You've been saying S-I-D-E. Side. Space. K-I-C-K. Kick. Correct. Sidekick. Correct. So somebody could be a psychic sidekick. Uh, sure, except that there are no psychics. But there are sidekicks. Perhaps. All right. I mean, you've got Frank, so. Is he psychic? No, he's kind of your sidekick, though. No, I'm the co-host. Sure, whatever you say. Which, I mean, a co-host... And this is an important distinction, because a co-host is not an inferior host. It's just another host. Are you saying Robin's inferior to Batman? Yeah. Robin has to do what Batman says. I'm, I'm, a, I'm another host. A host in my own right. But you have to do what I say. I don't have to. I choose to. With lots of protesting. Yeah, but it's a choice. It's, f- it's freedom of hostness. Well, anyway, Jordan, it was it was a lot of fun to uh, to listen to this day in history, and I did have the opportunity to listen to a few of the other days, which was kind of fun, um, and to just make up some stuff for you on the spot. All right, let's get to it. This day in history. Welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. I'm Angela Timon, filling in for Eddie Kirchner, filling in for Rory Sinjin. On September 15, 1954, the famous picture of Marilyn Monroe laughing as her skirt is blown up by the blast of a subway vent is shot on this day during the filming of The Seven Year Itch. The scene infuriated her husband, Joe DiMaggio, who felt it was exhibitionist. The couple divorced shortly thereafter. <laughs> Oh my goodness, this wind is so windy. Marilyn, you shouldn't be doing that. It's very exhibitionist. Why are we shooting this scene in the woods? It gives it this whole atmosphere. You see, you've, you've got this, this this dress being blown up. And, <laughs> and, and you can see the woods in the oh, background. Cut, cut, is this for people with a forestry fetish cut, or what? Cut, cut, cut. Hey. I can't work like this. The sticks are cutting me up and I'm feeling all itchy. Uh, have you checked for ticks, honey? What? Have you checked for ticks, honey? What are those, dear? She's not even wearing a watch. Hey, Marilyn, I, I I remember for some reason the mole being on the other side of your face. Shut up. Wait a second. That mole, it's it's moving. Oh, my God, we've got ticks. Everyone uh, back to the city. Ew. If only Marilyn Monroe wasn't a slut and wore long pants in the woods, she may have prevented getting attacked by ticks. You're listening to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Hey, Ange. Yeah. Have you seen Eddie around? Not in a few days. And do you know if Rory St. John's coming back? I think he's coming back soon. Hooray! But don't get ticked off yet. This is Dana DeZago bringing you the rest of the story on where are they now in history on Cast and Wax. What Miss Timon did not tell you is that the party did indeed return to the city, but an alien race of ticks had been flying overhead, scanning for a bunch of flesh that they could abduct. And they did abduct the entire party, all of them up onto their alien ship, and flew all through space and time, trying to determine what flesh they could eat. And since the rest of the party was made of men who had, in fact, decided to wear pants and long sleeves that day, they decided that Marilyn was particularly tasty and they did suck all of the blood out of her flesh and give her crazy diseases that she died of when they returned her back to Earth 10,000 years later. At which point, her husband Joe DiMaggio and everyone else who had made her famous were in fact dead and the entire Earth had been taken over by bee people who stung her to death as well. And when Marilyn was gone, there was not enough sweetness in the world and they covered it all with honey and then ran away to another world where they could cover that with honey in the hopes of making the entire universe stick together in some sort of giant ball. 
So you should always remember, wherever there may be ticks, you should wear the appropriate clothing, which usually involves long sleeves and pants. This is Dana DeZago with Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Okay, no, that was just as bad as when Rory does it, because there was, again, there was no truth in it, like when I did it, and there was, it was just, it was just silliness. There, I mean, clearly that wasn't true. Okay, but my understanding of this was to continue the story, which originally wasn't true anyway, uh, and just make something new up in order to further the uh, the public service announcement we had made. I mean, that's, Jordan, isn't that how you explained it to me? Yes, no, yes, continue the story and keep the idea in mind. And fortunately, everybody didn't die. Uh, well, I mean, some people died. In fact, you actually had somebody die twice. No, really. I mean, she was dying of diseases when they stung her, and so everything cumulatively killed her. I mean, they're evil. Look, they're aliens. What do you want? So aliens are inherently evil. Probably. Aliens not of Earth, as opposed to aliens, which is what we sometimes call foreigners. Like yourself. Or in my country, yourself. Yeah. Well, we're not in your, your country, so yourself. Well, now I'm a citizen. You're a citizen, too? What are all these people becoming citizens here? We have enough hosts here. I'm not a host. I'm a reporter. We have enough reporters here. Apparently not. They want to hire me. Because you have an accent. Again. I mean, that's what I'm saying. There should be an embargo on, on reporters from other countries. Because we, we have enough, and if one of them comes over here, people are going to go, oh, she's got an accent. Put her put her on the show. I don't understand why you're so flustered. Are you jealous? I mean, you're not trying to be a reporter. I am a journalist now, again, as I once was. I'm, when? I'm sorry. When I was a journalist. When I was doing journals. The point is, I report things. Do you not know? You don't listen to the podcast. I do interviews, and I expose the truth of people doing crimes, and I make it public knowledge. In a manner similar to when I exposed a rash of murders in uh, Washington, D.C.? Yes, I did. I exposed a murder, too. There was a murder, and I said I knew who did it, and I said who I thought. And what was the outcome? I was right. So he or she was arrested and put in jail? No. But everybody knows I was right. There's just not enough proof. But everybody knows I was right. And uh, what? I'm sorry. Was this for a newspaper or a TV channel? I missed it. I'm I'm sorry. It was on the podcast. It was here. I mean, this is where I work. This is where I do my show. It was on the podcast. I had her on. I told her she did it clearly, and she said she didn't. But everybody, it was pretty clear. I thought. Jordan, I must uh, I must congratulate you and apologize uh, that I have not really been able to listen. I've been doing my, as I said, my field reporting on uh, on TV, but. But I'm really, I'm so impressed that you have such a listener base that would uh, bring Frank to this level of, uh, of fame. I, well, thanks. I mean, what level of fame is that? Well, I mean, he's, Frank was indicating that his reports were similar to mine. I just assumed, I mean, I have a huge viewership, so I was assuming you had a similar fan base. Well, no, because we don't have any video. Listeners, then. Yeah, we have listeners, yeah. Well, I, I mean, we have listeners. I, don't, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how famous Frank is. I mean, I think Scape's probably a little bit more famous. People seem to listen for him a lot more than for Frank. That's not true, uh, actually. Well, I mean, how would you know? Scape gets more mail than you do, I would say. Well, that's not a good judge. That's not a good gauge. For all we know, all the mail is written by the same three people every week. Did you say I was most famous? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. like I said, you get more mail. Oh, well then, Miss Taylor, I'm not going to give you any more food. <laughs> say it isn't so. I really, really wanted that. I offered you moist food. How much do I have to say this? I've got a shelf full at the store. I get a discount. Well, what's taking you so long then? Go, get it and bring it. What, now? Well, I'm only in New York for a day or two. Uh, well, but we're in the middle of a show. All right, listen, since you apparently are so famous with your reports of murder, the deal was I'll make you famous, you give me moist food. So bring it, okay? Go to the store and bring it this time tomorrow. I want it. Wait, you're saying you made me famous? I'm not famous enough. 
I want more fame. All right, look, I'll um, I'll work up a story about you. A good one. We'll do a quick interview. Positive story. And uh, I'll air it on, on TV. But I want my moist food. All right, deals are being made all over the place. Hey, guess what time it is? It's speaking of Frank and how famous he is. We are now up to the Frank Allen part of the show. It's combined. This is an extra long thing. It's, it's taking the place of both the typical debate show, because it is a debate show, and the interview section. Frank, tell everybody about it. Yes, uh, and I'm okay with that for once, that I'm losing that part of my show, because this is something entirely new and pretty amazing. I should say, Mr. Zago, speaking of things you can report on and how great I am at, this is one of them. This is a show, it's an all-new show called Proselytism, Is It Real or Not? It was recorded live on the air of WHRW Binghamton when I was there a little while back, but it's got some celebrities on it, and it's got some uh, insight in it, and uh, hopefully you'll all learn something valuable from it. Here we go. Hello, uh, my name is Frank Allen, and welcome to the very first episode of Proselytism, Is It Real or Not? Uh, here on WHRW Binghamton, special, special uh, first magical episode. This is going to be a good one. We've got all sorts of actors here to axed out a, a work of proselytism. Where are you going to uh, Oh, do the actors want to be introduced? Uh, with me here is the first actor. Inspector. Inspector 37. The second actor is, of course... Chris played by Charles Berman. The third actor... To finally bring it into the debate as to whether or not we're the same person. This is Roy Sinjin. I have a cold. What? You sound <laughs> a little different. No, it's, it's Roy Sinjin. No, it's it's Rory Sinjin. I just have a cold. I have sore throat tonight. I But I wanted to be out here... I don't know. ...to make an appearance with Frank Allen. But you don't even sound British. It's a cold. I don't know. You don't he look does like kind him. of look like him. I think you're an imposter, but let's move on. <laughs> Final actor, of course. Hello, uh, Jordan. So, Oh, hey, Jordan. Let's get to the proselytism enactment. The title of the enactment of proselytism is The Missing Host, and it, it begins now. All right, Bill. I am ready for a party. How about you? Me too, Ted. All right. I think we're at the right house. I hope so. 62, 63 Street. <laughs> that sounds like loud music and dancing. Oh, at least a good imitation of it. Here, let's knock on the door. Hey, who are you, man? We're Bill and Ted. Yeah, we're ready for an amazing party. Is this, is this your guy's house? No, we thought this was your house because yeah. you answered the door. Why would we be outside of our own house? Uh, look, I don't know, man. Like, I just, I knocked on the door and somebody answered and they asked if it was my house. And I was like, no. Did you go in? Well, I, here I am. Well, we should go in. All right, come in. Yeah. All right. All hey. right. Yeah. Hey. See, there's like a party going on. There's, this is some folks. This is some. Hey, folks. Oh, hey, folks. Hey, how's it going? There's, like, drinks. We're Bill and Ted. Nice. And there's, like, food. Oh, man, that's cool. And there's, like, music. I love music. Has anyone broken anything yet? I've broke a couple things. Oh, man. Yeah, I wanted, let's get on it. Well, I wanted to be the first to break something. I'm a little... Hey, upset. wait a minute. Bill? Yes, Ted? I know what we can break. What? We can break them the good news. Yes. What's yes. The, oh, I, I've got some good oh, news. Man. That's I'm why we came to this party, right, Bill? Yeah. Or my Bill, You I mean forget. they're not going to call in the noise complaint? Yeah, that's good news, man. Yeah, well, no, I don't know anything about that, but... Let me check outside first. No, I don't see anyone calling. But, hey, well, I, I, I should introduce myself. My name's Ted Edwards. Ted Edwards? All yeah. right. I've got some good news, guys. Yeah. Can I, I introduce myself first? All right, I was going to do good news. Oh, all right. Well, we're supposed to break you the good news. But I was going to give you Well, good what's news? your good news? Well, all right, let's hear his good My news. My good news is I got... I'm Bill, by the way. Bill. Hey, I've got, Bill. I've got you a bag full... Bill Williams. Bill Williams. Of a bag full of Madagascar cockroaches. <gasps> That's good news because oh if you God. know, we can smoke these. 
Oh man, roaches! They're good. Do we do we kill them first, or if you want them not to scream? But I think. Wait a minute! Whoa, hold on a second. You've got Madagascar screaming. But wait a minute! Wait a minute! Hey, look at what we brought you! What did you bring us, man? It's a pot. Wait, I thought it was a pot Bible. No, it's a pot with the Bible in it. Yeah, you cooking the Bible? Yeah. What you got cooking? That's great. I forgot my rolling papers at home. Yeah, we can smoke the. Oh, use the New Testament. It's really boring. But wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) Oh, wait, that was Revelation, the one good book in it. Oh, sorry. Hey, who's this? What? Must be somebody new at the party. Go out and let him in, man. Maybe it's the host. (laughs) Hello? Hey, man. What's going on? Who are all of you? We're the partiers. We're the partiers. Yeah, man, come on in. It's a great party. Yeah, the person but, who owns this house is throwing a wicked party. But, but I I own this house. You're throwing an oh, awesome man, party. It's lovely. We've got here. Madagascar wow. screaming cockroaches, here, check man. It out. You gotta, you gotta We're tearing up the Bible. But that's awful. No. <laughs> no, man, this is great rolling paper. It's nice. It is. I love how the red ink burns. Wait, I have something I need. To, to tell you. What's that? I'm so glad you all came uninvited to my house. You didn't invite us? And, and destroyed all my what? furniture. Oh man, that chair is probably still okay. Although you might have to get it repulsed. I did enjoy breaking your vintage ottoman. Infested my house with roaches. Well, look, here's the thing I wanted to tell you. Yes, missing host? <laughs> oh, this is good stuff. Here's the thing I wanted to tell you. I'm very glad that you all came because I want to tell you how important it is you all see the light of Satan. I'm sorry? Satan, man? You got a red Satan. light? I thought he was the Lord of Darkness. Yes. Man, sign of the devil, sign of the devil. Yeah, I love that Iron Maiden Let, let me show you rising. Show you how it works with some child sacrifices. But wait, isn't the, isn't the devil bad like uh, everybody always told me that heaven's gonna be like a party. Is is that what you've got in the bag Look there, Look at all kids? of you. You're living a life of pleasure. But when you see Satan, you'll know that pain and the infliction thereof is the only true path. I don't know, man. That sounds a lot like Christianity. <laughs> Can't you see me burning a Bible with you? That's true, man. But didn't Jesus break down and break the Bible with his followers. I think that was bread that he broke, Bill. Hey, host. Yes? If we talk to, like, this devil dude, is he gonna give us money for, like, lots of roaches? I think he's just gonna beat us up, according to this guy. give him your soul. Oh, man, that Reether Franklin chick. Here's the way to do it. He's in league with all the Protestants. I'm sorry, what? He's in league with the Protestants. Who, that Satan guy? Yes. And the Protestants want our soul. Yes. All well, you yeah, have always, to do... I always figured the devil was Catholic. I'm just... You, you really confused no, me. No! The Catholics are wonderful. That's why they must be destroyed. <laughs> All right. Here's you're, the, you're making no kind of sense there, host. <laughs> this this party was kicking until right. you showed up. Here's what we're going to do. Bill? Bill? <laughs> you Bill. punch him in the head. <laughs> Ted, you kick him in the gut. Wait a second. Dude, why? You kick him in the other guy. Why should we listen I'm to this guy? I'm going to let the roaches yeah. free. We don't even Let's know his him. name. My name's... My name's 
no, I'm trying to convert you to oh, the, you know the true way of... Shut up. Oh, no, oh. You, don't do that. I'm, I'm trying to show you free. How, how to... Ah. Ah. Put it in the mouth, Dad. Ah. In the no. mouth. He's still no. talking. You need to Work your pain. fist in his mouth. I can still hear his horrible voice. Come out with your hands up. This is the police. We want oh, to man, get all dude. of you oh, hey, in jail. Hey, hey, send out the host guy. Yeah, send yeah. out the host. They want yeah, somebody. Dude. We'll send. We'll throw him out. Throw yeah. out the person who is most in charge of being bad first. There's only one person here bad, and we subdued him for you, officers. It's the vile odor of this house. He's a Satanist. Take him. No. We're just good Christians with the Bible. Look, see as I hold it out. He the tried door. to rip it, man. Yeah, he, he ripped up it the up Bible. Roaches. He ripped up the word of Saint John. I and tried said it didn't to show matter. them Satan. I tried. And then he said Catholics were wonderful, Dudes. so we must kill them. Dudes, that's cool. Send him out. We're sending him out. Please take him. He's uh, evil. But officer, officer, you're under arrest, that's sir. My, but I was just faking it. I was just trying to scare. Them to That's leave what my they house. all say, Mick. It was all a lie. No. Officer, officer, I see nothing uh, in this situation that pepper spray and tasers can't fix. Let's he has some nightsticks. Let's get him. Yeah. Beep, 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 beep. Beep, beep, beep. Gentlemen, I see that there are screaming cockroaches here. I'm assuming they're his. They must be his. Those, those, they were Bible followers. Absolutely, officer. He, he tried to get us to smoke him. Oh, my God. Let's beat him some more. If you guys personally beep. see to ah! getting rid of these cockroaches, we'll call it a day. We'll oh, make dude, sure they disappear, dude. man. Ted right. and I will help oversee yeah, the disposal yeah. of the cockroaches. Absolutely, in this pot. Ten weeks later. I'm still stoned. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> What's stoned mean? I started smoking the house. Oh, man, there's somebody at the door. Again? Dude, you're like psychic. Yeah, man, it's this pot. It's me again. Guess what? It's Senor Fist again. Oh, man, I must have eaten the pot. They're so stoned, they don't even see me beating up the same guy again. But I'm a little Satanist old man. And this is a big fist in your face. This is the police. Send out the bad guy one more time. Officer, he keeps coming back. We're just trying to sit here and talk about community service. And he keeps trying to push his Satanism off on us. We'll be right there to get him. He told me the Pope was swell. All right, swell. sir. You're coming He's with us. Swollen. I said swollen. You're coming with us. We're giving you surgery to remove your tongue. Let's go. <laughs> you better just take Not out his second. voice box. Hey, let me punch him in it for you real quick. Okay, perfect. We're going to take him. You guys stay here. Do you guys have any openings on the force? I'm pretty good with my fists. I'll I keep could... you in mind. Thank you. Here's, here's a resume. Good with his oh, fist, excellent. too. Here's another resume hey. for a fist. Dude, can you oh, see man, it? Can Officer Billy. Resume. Wait, wait, this isn't even an application. Resume. It's a ready-made. <laughs> I just have to sign at the bottom. It's here's all my resume, man. Can I be on your force? <laughs> You're all hired. <laughs> Come on, man. Well, let's go beat up this. <laughs> it's our first day on the job. Let's go. <laughs> I don't have a... I don't have a nightstick, so I'm just going to use this cinder block. Oh, that's him. amazing. <laughs> uh, I love brutality.
All right. So uh, that's the end of the proselytism. Uh, but now it's time for the debate. We have two debaters who are going to debate whether it is real or not. Uh, let's go to debater number one. Ah, yes. Uh, my name is uh, Winston Salem, and I'm the oh. president of the uh, the Goddess Church. I smoke some of your cigarettes. Oh, I'm glad you enjoy them. The Goddess Church, as in you worship God. Yes. All yes. Right. Oh, man. And uh, debater number two. Uh, yes. Uh, who are you, please? I am uh, Reginald Fleming. I was hoping it'd be Newport 100s. I'm a little, little let down. That, that was my middle name before I changed it due to copyright infringement. Uh, I, I enjoy your cigarettes, too. Yes, uh, I wish I still had the fortune from them. Interestingly enough... Uh, uh, did you make cigarettes or fortune cookies? Well, I made my fortune in cookies. Oh, I they see. They were actually cigarettes disguised in an attempt to sell ah, them to younger children. I Cigarette see. cookies. I love yes, those. It, it worked mm, really well for a while, but then... Uh, Low tar peanut butter is my favorite flavor. Uh, all right, now... Thank you. I, I created that one myself. As you all know, uh, as I'm sure you're all aware, uh, Mr. Winston Salem believes that this track we, I'm sorry, this proselytism we just heard was true. Of course, it was absolutely true. And Mr. Fleming Fleming believes that the proselytism was not true. So let's let the attacker go first. I mean, no, you know what? Let's let the defender go first. This is a new show. Oh, absolutely. I would love to to go uh, first, but I think I'll stay for a while and explain my positions. I would um, be very interested in hearing it. Yes. Where's your coin, Frank? No, I flipped it. Oh, okay. Um, now, here, here, for example, is why this was true. First of all, I, I heard it on the radio, and therefore I think it's extremely believable. Also, as you might be aware, in our church, we believe in God, who is a higher power. God has to get extremely high <coughs> to have the power that he does over us mortals. Now, as you saw in this play, the people who were most High were the most able to defend against the forces of the Satanists. And by getting high like God. God they, being the most, most high. Yes, highest God is high. the highest power. By getting as high as God, they were able to fight off the low Satanist, a sober and stuffy man, and finally defeat his evil and Catholic influence. Interesting. Good defense. Well said. Well said. And can you fashion an offense that goes through his defense? Yes, I would like to say that the proselytism in this track did not, in fact, occur. The only person proselytizing was, in fact, the Satanist. And he, in fact, was ineffective in his proselytism because what he was doing did not actually occur. If it had occurred, it would have. But notice, no, no, no one no, took no, any it's... effect at any of the things he did, which meant that what he did did not happen and, in fact, was imagined. I, for one, don't recall even knowing that there was a Satanist in this tract. In fact, it was just a tract about three people getting high and the police hiring there them. Were, I'm sorry, there were four people getting high. Yes. Wait, wait, if I'm sorry, getting high, high affects the memory, which proves that you were listening to wait the same tract as I. If they were already high, how could they be hired by the police? They had gone on a stepladder before, oh, I see. and the police said, go up one level higher, you can come with us now. I see, I see. Well, well put, well put, Mr. Newport 100. Now, we do have an expert, I believe, on, uh, on oh, yeah. Highness. Mr. Yes. Oh, please, Your Highness, t tell us all about it, please. It is I, the Queen. Oh, it's an honor. It is an honor. Indeed. I'm glad to see my loyal subject, Rory Sinjin, is here tonight. I don't believe that that's him, but okay. Actually, um, that you may be correct, because I was looking at my name tag here, and it's, it appears to say Rory St. John, so I guess oh. I've been mispronouncing my name all these years. <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't know. It's okay. I pardon 
you, Highness, is something... Uh, Queen, I hate to interject, but, um... Your Highness is how you should address your, me. Your Highness, um, I have committed many crimes against the crown. Would you mind pardoning me? Well, Among I've them had... were a few attempts on your life, but... Mm, we'll, we'll discuss that after the show, I'm afraid. But no, I'm no. sure we'll be able to work out uh, something in my very innovative uh, repent-to-bedroom program. Are you, in fact, almost as high as God? I'm divinely appointed by God. Highness comes directly from the Most High, and this is signified by the ceremonial headwear that is worn on the head, the highest of points on the human body. Okay, I'm... This illustrates our divine highness. If your highness comes from the Most High, does that mean it's kind of like a contact highness? It's a highness by virtue of divine proximity. You can't get high from contact. Please do not interrupt the queen. Depends where you get your glasses from. Okay, he, he was very nice. I do forgive you. Thank you, thank you. So, 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 so are you saying the proselytism is accurate or not real? Well, let me finish my dissertation on highness. Please dissert. Disserting commencing immediately. No, that means you're a deserter. Oh no, I the crown is you, deserting England. I have this asked is horrible. you twice to not interrupt me, subject. I am your sovereign higher than you. I think you mean... I think you mean to say, I'm sorry to correct you, but I think you mean to say I've asked you not to correct my subject. No, all of you are my subjects. But if you call it me subject, that's not the proper... I think you should get a little more specific. Break away from England like an unruly child that needs to be severely punished and beaten in the most cruel manner. It just doesn't sound like you're speaking the Queen's English. Any English I speak is mine by virtue of my mouth. All right, please desert. As I was stating before being so rudely interrupted by me subjects, highness can be achieved by a variety of routes. Ladders, books, education, Madagascar screaming cockroaches, all of these are appropriate. As one invested with highness by virtue of my headgear, I can tell you that the gentlemen in this tract were most definitely high. Certifiably so. Because of the cockroaches. Because of their position in relation to Lunas. Now, um, let me ask you this. You may. The, the screaming cockroaches. The Madagascar screaming cockroaches. Does that mean they're from Madagascar or they scream Madagascar? Well, there are two schools of thought on this subject. One is that the, 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 the Madagascar cockroaches are indeed from Madagascar, as suggested by the stickers on their backs, or that the stickers may have been placed by some unscrupulous never-do-well, most likely an American. So they don't scream Madagascar. Well, there are two schools of thought on that. Some have suggested the cockroaches are in fact screaming Madagascar, or they may be screaming a series of sounds that distinctly resembles Madagascar, but is not in fact Madagascar and may have no meaning whatsoever. Madagascar. No, it, it sounds more like Madagascar, but it could be the natural sound that these cockroaches emit. Therefore, not making it Madagascar, which is a synthetic word constructed by humans, language not being natural. 
Alright, so but it's a construct of man, or in this case, me, the queen. You invented the language? It is the queen's English, is it not? But it didn't exist before you were born? Languages did exist, but the queen's English originated with me. Oh, alright. Uh, so it sounds like you're supporting Winston-Salem. Well, as for the evidence purporting the existence of proselytization in this tract, I am not convinced of said name existence by virtue of beatdown. Because they beat him down. Possibly. Okay. And you're not as high. I am the most high. No, God's the most high. That's right. Nobody's higher than... the proxy for the most high in the material plane, thereby, for all intents and purposes to all of you, I am the most hey, high. Hey, don't let what I'm saying get you down. Impossible! Then so then you're not down about it. So fine. No, off. I'm quite high on the subject. <clears throat> and you're not down with what we're talking about. Not at all. So you can't dig. Indeed. That's why I have servants or subjects. All right. Well, we have a subject, which is whether or not this proselytization is true. <laughs> Let's get to it. Right. Will thank you, you for your time. So thank you for your time. And I believe we have another expert, but this expert is uh, named Winston Salem. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm very glad to be invited to comment on my own debate. Uh, and, Frank, uh, Frank yeah. is it appropriate for one of the debaters to be an expert on the debate? I mean, I'm, I'm new to this show. Or the, what do you mean by the, appropriate? The, you mean like, is it right? Well, is it? Yes, let's debate the correctness of well, this. Well, what do you think, sir? Mr. La- yeah, last name, I Well, I guess it depends exactly how his uh, his testimony will be held. Right. Well, 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 I, whose side are you going to support? Uh, well, obviously Reginald's. Okay, we'll go. Oh, well, I, guess I, yes. I think I will allow it under Hurrah. this, this case. Only and Bully. only under these circumstances that I am allowed to give expert testimony for my friend Winston-Salem's side afterwards. Please. Oh, well, of course. Go right ahead. Go right and, ahead. And then Frank Allen should give some expert well, testimony. Right. I mean, obviously, um, since we we believe in God, we there is obviously no power which is higher than God, and only God has absolute truth. Therefore, truth can only come from God. And since this proselytization did not come from God, but from Satan... You, you don't even need to convince... You don't even need to continue. You've convinced yes. me. That, it, it's obviously not true, since it's not a production this, so. of God. In order for us to learn what God means from us, God is very busy. He, he has things to do, so he tells people to tell other people. And those people tell other people, and we call that word proselytization. Uh-huh. If we are not drunk, in which case, if we're drunk or high, we call it prosthetic. Some guy told me something. Prosthetics. Prosthetics? Yes. Prospecting. All right, well, prosthetics are real. I'm good at this game. Yes, I would argue that prosthetics are real. I I had a man working in a fast food restaurant hand me a hamburger with a a plastic arm. Why did the hamburger have an arm at all? (laughs) Have you ever eaten in a fast food restaurant? Not with an arm. Oh, are you going to make a line of cigarette hamburgers? Mm, That's an excellent idea. That does sound good. I'll sell them at Mrs. Green's. (laughs) Well, it was his idea. You just stole it. Well, that's okay. I will just open up his bank account and steal all his money. Okay. (laughs) Wow. All right. Well, we can do that. Okay. uh, Let's uh, let's do some closing arguments. But I guess. Well, I I thought you were going to give expert testimony. No, no, no. no. I'll give my closing argument. Clearly, I'm right. Which Um, time? 
well, <laughs> I, I was about to say you know, I'm, I'm right and that. wrong oh. um, because uh, I, I believe um, that that the the the, the proselytization was true, and clearly that's correct uh, because of the high people who defeated uh, who who defeated the Satanists. God being high, you need to be high to defeat Satan. But I'm also clearly incorrect because it came from a source other than God, and only God has absolute truth. And so therefore, it's impossible to determine whether I'm correct unless you're God, which you're not. Are you, Mr. Allen? <laughs> Maybe he's the god of this show. Well, did, that, yeah. did that occur to you? From a certain point of view, yeah. Metaphorically. He is sitting in a chair that's higher than all of us, and based on what that queen lady said, uh, I guess he's the most high of this show. That's true. Which is why we're all on our knees in front of him. Correct. You, sir? Well, clearly, proselytization is proselytization. I'm sorry, I need to Oh, prestidigitation. That's clearly, what prestidigitation has existed from the early days, uh, dating back from the first sleight of hand... Uh, Legend. Interactions, Lettermain, one of those important things, stealing from other people. Ah, and its trickery goodbye. has existed in the earliest days of people called wizards. They would use things that were un, you know, traceable. And so this prestidigitation has been seen and there's evidence for it. You can go to any magic show in Las Vegas and you will see that prestidigitation Harry indeed exists. However, it is also true that prestidigitation does not exist because, as we all know, magic is not real. <gasps> Because this information comes from on high and tells us what is wrong with the trick and how it was done. Therefore, prestidigitation both is real and has never been real. Frank, yeah. I, I gotta say, wow, yeah. these are some amazing arguments, and I'm not gonna know what to believe until you tell me. So, all right, please think really hard about it. Answer. And the answer, of course, is that proselytism. Not real in this case. Not real. I knew I, it. We were both I, right. We were both Reginald. right. Excellent. Congratulations. Because I made five dollars off this hey. show. That's great. Because it sounds like what happened is. Uh, uh, I bet on both outcomes. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> a, there wasn't really any good proselytizing, and B, the proselytizing there was was wrong. So. Now, now, Frank, um, yeah. what, did you think there was evidence of violence in oh, this, yeah, in yeah, this yeah. program? Oh yeah, yeah, There was some beating. Excellent. Excellent. So, I, I'm sort of just curious. like in history. What was your ruling on prestidigitation? Um, it is a different topic. Thank you for listening to Prosthetism. Is it real or not? In this case, it's not. That amazing premiere of Prosthetism, Is It Real or Not? starred me, Frank Allen, Rich Bellin, Charles Berman, Rory Sinjin, maybe, Elijah Weberhan. And Jordan D. White. That's right, listeners. This is Dana DeZago live with Cast and Wax. I'm here with Jordan D. White, Scape White, and the famous Frank Allen, who, despite his negative comments about my section of the show, decided to do an even stupider segment that had nothing to do with anything. Was there truth in there? Was it all lies? And was it even worse than Tractor Fiction? Which it was, of course, a huge ripoff of. Frank, do you have any comments on this story? Uh, yeah, actually, I have a couple. First of all, everything you said was wrong, except my name. Second of all, I, all, I mean, all the individual points were wrong. So if you list them again, I'll, I'll tell you they're wrong. Look, you wanted me to do a story. I was just, I, you know, I was telling the truth. No, I said a positive story. So you, if, I was actually pretty specific. That was as positive as it got as far as I was concerned. That pilot was great, okay? We had uh, drama in the form of the proselytism enactment. And then we had intelligent intellectual debate. We had the Queen of England, a celebrity, was on it. She's pretty famous. And you are from England, so you should know that. And we decided 
decided there was no proselytism, or it wasn't real in that case, I think everybody learned something. All right, Frank, uh, with my minimal experience with tractor fiction on the old show, can you tell me what exactly was the difference between tractor fiction and proselytism, is it real or not, except for the fact that the tract acted out in tractor fiction usually is written by somebody, and this seemed obviously just improv. Well, okay, first of all, you you just were like, can you tell me the difference except the difference? So that's not fair. That's like, can you tell me the difference between seven and eight except one number point? No, except that seven and eight are two individual concepts that do not have any complex parts. This is, you know, you start out with one section, which is people acting out a story that involves religion. Okay, that happens in both tractor fiction and proselytism, is it real or not? Um, there are men playing women who, by the way, that was not the Queen of England. I would know. I'm from England. That was a man going, I'm the Queen of England. And uh, then there's a debate about whether or not the religion was true, except that I suppose you were asking, was anybody proselytizing? Well, no. I mean, it was basically asking, was it true? But no, okay. I don't think you're right about a lot of the things you just said. Because first of all, I think that was the Queen of England. Because again, she had an accent. And she said, with that accent, I'm the Queen of England. I'm not going to be fooled the same way more than like twice. Did you see her? Well, yeah. And she was a woman? I thought so. So, yes. Not a man in a wig or even not a wig, just doing a voice? I didn't take hair samples, but I'm just saying, Queen of England, done. Moving on. Other points that you made were wrong as well. Like, there's a lot of differences. Like, you're describing a, a format. Lots of things have a format. I mean, you could be like, well, what's the difference between proselytism, is it real or not, and Epic Echoes? They both start with a song, and then there's people talking for a bunch of minutes, and then there's another song. That's like the exact same show. So It's not a general format you ripped off. It's practically the exact same thing. It would be more like if you did a show called Bus Debate, and you, like, rode a bus, and you just asked people on it questions, and had two people debating a topic, I'd be like, oh, that's probably a ripoff of, you know, Debatatorium or something like that. No, that's a ripoff of Car Debate, which is my show that I did, because it's in a car, not a bus. So you can't do a bus debate. I'm already doing Car Debate. I don't want to do Bus Debate. It's a stupid show. So is Car Debate, whatever that is. But it's all a ripoff of the one debate show that started the whole thing. It's different because they're in a car. Cars are not a Debatatorium. Cars are moving, and it's a different concept entirely. Well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't a Debatatorium just a place where a debate happens, I mean, then the car would be the debatatorium. But the main feature of a debatatorium is the fact that it doesn't move. Well, speaking of things that are Epic Echoes and like Epic Echoes, we should listen to Epic Echoes, because it's on now. Epic Echoes. series season two episode five something fishy in boston by lynn nelson how can this be at all possible is he out of his mind jimmy kovacs was pacing the main conference room of his campaign headquarters it was about six o'clock p.m and he should have been eating dinner with the pack but was instead having a nervous breakdown in front of the several monitor screens that were set up in the conference room 
Slatter, Jimmy's dedicated and enthusiastic campaign manager, had been leaning back in a chair with her feet propped up on a table trying to reassure the nervous candidate. Now, however, she stood gaping in awe, her eyes scanning back and forth over every screen. And it is with great honor and humility that I will take my place in our nation's capital. I thank you, my constituents, from the bottom of my heart for having an... If you're just joining us, we are covering the bizarre and unexplained speech being delivered by Senator Marsh outside his campaign headquarters, in which he is essentially taking office. This is, of course, slightly premature, as we are still tabulating the results from the election. Has there been a mistake? Is is there something we missed? No, of course not. What could we possibly have missed? I, I don't know. But given the situation, looks like someone dropped the ball somewhere. Now, hold on, Jimbo. Just what are you saying? Either the sender knows something we don't, or he's pulling something really crazy. But either way, someone isn't as in the know as she should be. Jimmy, even the newscasters are saying this is out of the blue. They're still counting votes. No one knows what he's doing. But it's your job to know these things before everyone else does. We're supposed to be a step ahead of the opposition, not floundering behind them. An unsuspecting Keen opened the door to the conference room. You guys must be starving. I've made some Martian gumbo. Anyone want? <laughs> Don't say Marsh! Sorry, Jeez, I didn't realize we had to put the whole solar system on hold while the election happened. We might just have to. Look. Keen stood with them, watching one of the various local news channels for a minute. Oh, Jimmy. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Slaughter, why do you tell us they decided things so soon? Because they haven't decided things at all. Marsh has decided things for himself. What? I have no idea what's going on, but they're still counting votes. It's early yet. It's going to be a close one, I think. Or I thought. I'm so confused. Can you get the others in here? Within minutes, the entire flash pack was huddled around the monitor screens in the conference room. They watched for about ten minutes in complete silence. Just turn them off. This is making me ill. But we might miss something important. Now you're worried about that. Whoa, whoa. Turn it down a notch, you two. Max took up the universal remote and turned off all the monitors. Let's just sit. Really, Max, there's no way I could have seen this coming. I know. Let's just get our bearings, okay? So they're nowhere near counting all the votes? No, all they've been saying all day is how close the race is. Is there anything about Marsh that would have helped you foresee this? How many times do I have to say that this is completely out of the blue? I don't mean to offend, Jill. I just think we should reflect on the campaign and see if anything jumps out as unusual. I think that's a marvelous idea, Dwaris. Senator Marsh is a highly respectable candidate. I've never seen anything that would make me think otherwise. It's true. He's been nothing but intelligent, charming, and forthcoming. Which is why you shouldn't be on my case. Oh, shucks, slot. I'm just as freaked as you are, but I'm not the enemy, okay? We're going to get you through this. Darn right we are. Say, Keen, isn't there gumbo waiting? Smells fantastic. I'm on it. Now listen up. We're going to camp out in here and eat some gumbo. Hungry, Max? We're going to get some of Keen's good home cooking in us, and we're going to watch the news and try and monitor the situation. We're going to be friends and support Jimmy however he needs it. I don't need any of Keen's dumb Martian food. Oh. Fertress, let's not tease on election day, hmm? Why don't you see if there isn't a spell that will help us figure out what's going on? Molly, while Keen is getting dinner, can you see what news is circulating on the inside circles? Sure thing. Being on the cutting edge of technology required Molly to have connections to underground resources where she could access information before it was in the hands of the public at large. She retreated to one of her offices and returned shortly with a small computer. Everyone sat around the table and munched on Keen's delicious gumbo and watched the various news channels. Molly sat with one hand on her keyboard, constantly clicking away. 
As they ate, the pack became more and more uneasy as March's speech went on for hours. He just seemed to be repeating his platform and policies, but he was drawing quite a large and enthusiastic crowd. Molly was digging up nothing, and the pack was starting to glaze over. Suddenly, something perked them up. And it is by the firm and wise guiding hands of the Elder Gods that I find myself in this incredibly noble position. What? Did he just say Elder Gods? There is something so strange about that audience. What is it, Max? I can't put my finger on it. Maybe it's that they're all crazy Satan worshippers. Elder gods, Fuzzbrain, not demons. Just as creepy! Well, it is pretty weird that they're all cheering him. Any one of them could get the news on a low-grade video monitor. It's hard to believe none of them realize he hasn't won yet. Perhaps they know and just love him. That's still pretty weird. Yeah, but there's something else going on. It's hard to see under these conditions, but there's something in their eyes. It's almost as if they're under a spell. You think he's hypnotizing them into adoring him? No what? No way. I refuse to believe it. I wouldn't rule out anything at this point, Jimmy. But Marsh is a good man, an honest man. He wouldn't do something like this. No such thing. As a good man? As a good human man. All good men are catmen, right, Fertress? I'm glad you're catching on. Do you have anything helpful to contribute here? Max, if those people are under a spell, I can reveal it. Wait to tell us now. Oh, I'm sorry, Drowse. I, I didn't think that. It's was... okay, Fertress. We're thinking about it now. Can you do it here? No, I have to be in your presence. Then to Massachusetts it is. We'll have to keep ourselves hidden. If Marsh is up to something, he can't see that we're there or he'll know we suspect something. We don't have to cheer him on. I just need to be able to see some of them. Molly's good at sneaking up on people. Then let's do it. Flash pack! Flash pack! Soon the pack was whizzing over to Boston in their slightly cramped cat ship. Uh, say, Slaughter? What is it, Jimmy? If Marsh turns out to be all crazy and evil, who will be president? You, of course. But, but I won't have won. The people won't have made an informed decision. Jimmy, the polls are definitely closed by now. Everyone has made their decision based on what they know of you and what they know or knew of Marsh. If they find that the vote is in your favor, you will have won fair and square. I suppose you're right. Of course I'm right. We've run a great campaign, kiddo. Not our fault if your opponent turns out to be a crazy devil worshipper. They're gods. Elder gods. Still creepy, eh, Fertress? You're so original, Swatter. We're approaching a street parallel to Marsh's campaigning headquarters. We'll park on the street and walk over. Can we try to keep the bickering, or any noise-making for that matter, to a minimum? Good luck with this crowd. Molly expertly and silently landed the little cat ship, and the pack climbed out and snuck through the grass and approached Senator Marsh's campaign headquarters from behind. Fertress, you're the smallest of us. Can you sneak around the side and get a look at them? I'll tell you what I see. He's been blowing hot air for hours with no signs of stopping. I say we sneak in. Molly. I think it's safe. There might be some good information in there. Safe? Is your definition of safe a high-risk situation? Isn't it always? Look, we need all the information we can get. Let's do it. Flashback. Flashback. Molly disarmed the... Uh, Molly disarmed the alarm remotely with one of her gadgets or doodads, and the pack snuck in through a back door. While they explored, Fertress scampered around the side of the building and encanted a spell as softly as possible. (coughs) And before his eyes, the audience became almost transparent, and then solidified again. But instead of humans, they looked kind of like huge fish or sea creatures standing on two legs. Boots of Pluto! Fertress stood glued to the spot as one of Marsh's security guards or whatever, stepped up to the podium and took Marsh's ear for a minute. 
Marsh's face dropped and almost darkened. He grew a great snarl in his face and spoke harshly into the microphone. America, it appears that you are just as stupid and pathetic as I'd suspected. You have actually voted in a naive child as your president. And here I was thanking you from the bottom of my heart so profusely. No matter. Your meager vote means nothing to me. Exactly three weeks from today, the stars will align, and the Great One will arise from his slumber and take over your pathetic country and your stupid planet, and you shall all bow to the greatest god that ever was. Every slimy, scaly member of the audience drew out a large golden trident, seemingly from nowhere, and raised it into the air as they cheered even louder than before. Virtus regained the ability to move and scampered back around the building. Not knowing exactly where they were inside the building, he incanted a quick spell and skidded right through the wall, and coincidentally into a large office full of flashback members. Virtus, did you figure out what spell the audience is under? They're fish! What? Jimmy won the election and Marsh is mad and these fishy followers have been trying and today want to kill us! Elder God's fish people? Are they deep ones? He said the Great One was coming and the stars were aligning! Why was he giving the million hour speech? I think he was just too confident that he won. But we need to hurry, I think they're coming back in! I won? You won! Booyah! In your face, deficit spending! Um, I mean, I won! Guys, jumping for joy later, escaping certain painful, terrible death now! The pack headed for the door, but when they opened it, they were faced with a grinning Senator Marsh, and several fish people saw in glamour, but with tridents. Tridents pointed right at their heads! Is the charming Senator Marsh actually a servant of the one and only Cthulhu? Will the pack make it out alive? Will Jimmy be able to take office? Tune in next week for Strange Eons. In that episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield, Angela Tymon was Dralis, Devin White was Molly, Lynn Nelson was Slaughter, Tongwen Wong was Keen, Daniel Schwartz was Jimmy Kovacs, Scape White was Fertress, me, Frank Allen, was the newscaster, Sam Thomason was Randall Marsh, and the theme song was by Michael, Temporary Card Murkowski. And that pretty much wraps up our show, um, except for the part where we get your mails from you. I don't mean the, the gentleman among you. I mean, you know, email. It's the uh, listener mail. Um, since Miss Dana DeZego is the guest here and therefore won't be getting any mail, I figure, why don't we have her uh, read the mail for us? She's skilled at reading stuff. That's her job and all. So take it away. All right. Um, this first letter is for Scape and... I, Jordan, I, do I really... It's Do I have to read it this way? Well, that's up to you. Do you want to respect the, the writer, or do you want to make it your own, I guess? No, I, I suppose I should preserve the language of this so that uh, it has the full effect. So please pardon me if uh, I don't quite do a good job with this first one. I think you'll understand why. So, Scapey, this one's for you. Hooray! See, I'm already famous! Uh, so you get none of my moisture. <laughs> All right, then. Dear Scape, I just got to my new house two weeks ago, and Wynne has been playing me to podcast. I heard you talking to Fat Flank about MF, and you are so wrong. Fish and seafood are definitely the best moist foods. Chicken is okay, but not as good. You are right about other cats, though. The stupid fat cat upstairs keeps trying to get into my house, and she better back off, because if she gets in here, I will bite and scratch, and I will grab her head 
and kick, kick, kick from Mushu. Okay, uh, no, you're wrong. You lose. <laughs> no prize this time because uh, I'll go through the wrist. Chicken is not okay. Chicken is awesome. Fish, uh, it's all right, is what it is. So you got the first one wrong. You got the second one right, basically, because other cats stink. But you still use because you're another cat. <laughs> so you should grab you and kick, kick you. Scave, I don't think that, I mean, we didn't offer a prize or anything, so I don't think she was uh, writing in to uh, answer, like, questions, just saying that you were wrong about something. Well, that makes Mushu super wrong, because I'm never wrong about things. Things is what I know best. Okay, Scape. All right. Um, let's move on to the next uh, bit of mail. Dana, if you would. All right. Uh, once again, I'm going to preface this with, I'm sorry for sounding stupid. I didn't write it. Hey, guys. Screw you for turning in Rory Sinjon. I needed an extra history reading to tell what I should do in life. I was going to see if I should be a great novelist of Look for Another Line of Work. I was going to get that guy to help me. Now he's in jail. Well, that's just great, isn't it? Also, why didn't he plan for the alternate hostery of if he had to go to jail? You highs are either shorlotians or really mean. Greg passes. Uh, Dana, no. What, why would you do that? You're making this guy look like an idiot. And then you said his name. You should clean it up. This guy is an idiot, and he signed his name. Yeah, but you, you clean it. It's listener mail. You clean it up. Yeah. Fine. Do you want me to do it again? No, you already did it now. Uh, Greg, sorry about the guest host, but um, I don't I don't really know how to answer your letter now that I think about it. So you said screw us, and I don't know why. We didn't turn him in. I mean, he went to jail because he did it. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't our fault. We didn't tell him to do it. We told him not to do it's it. It's true. That's true. I mean, and if the DA was listening, that's a side thing. Point is, you didn't need extra history because it's not real. Totally not real. And also, he doesn't see the future history. He only uh, 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 sees alternate history. Well, technically, he always says that he does know future history, doesn't he? I mean, he always says, I know how that'll turn out as a, as a historian. Well, he does say that, doesn't he? I mean, he's, he's full of crap. Well, yeah. Ah, well. Well, we miss him too, Greg. So keep listening. He'll, he'll be back someday. Dana, we got one more letter, and then we got to get out of here. So go for it. All right. This uh, this is to Jordan and Scape. Dear Jordan and Scape, I'm very dismayed to hear all the negative comments on your show about the kennel system. Well, it sounds like poor Scape's experience was traumatic. Any pet being separated from his owner experiences some distress, and some pets are just more sensitive than others. But how lucky Scape was that he was with trained professionals and that a vet was on hand to help him. Think of what might have happened had he been alone in your home when he hurt himself, leaving one's pets in a kennel is a sensible and practical solution to a difficult dilemma. The kennel system is renowned, and some kennels even contribute to homeless and sick animals. I do hope that you will rescind your negative comments about this unparalleled and charitable industry. In exchange, I would be happy to offer Skate a free week in one of our kennels, with full amenities, the next time you and your wife are forced to leave him behind. Sincerely yours, Edward Roundtree, Public Relations, Queen's Kennel Association. Um, thank you for that. Uh, although, Dana, again, a side note, I think you were... Uh my cat's name is Skate. No, I mean, look at it. It says S-K-A-T-E. Write that. Oh, well, that's probably for the best, because I don't think Scape would want to be put in a kennel. What? No, why would I be... What, who's, why, who, who's putting me in the kennel? Well, this guy says he works at the kennel. <laughs> He's not here. He's not here. Good, because... He's bad. Right. But he's saying that you being in the kennel is good. Oh, he's wrong! He's saying, yeah, but he's saying it's good because you got hurt, and but there was people there who could take care of you. Well, there, first of all, that's not true, because he, he, I got hurt because I was there. Duh. And second of all, they didn't take care of me, because if they had come close enough to take care of me, I would have killed them. Well, that might be true. I mean, you, you were still, your head was, yeah, I mean, his head wasn't treated. Because I would kill them! 
Yeah. Probably. But uh, but he's saying because we were unhappy at that other kennel, you get to go to a kennel for free for a week. What? I will not go to kennel for any day at all. No time. Zero. Zero weeks or days or minutes. Well, that's what I, I mean. But he says it's free. No free. Okay. Well, I, I don't like. I don't think it's a good idea. Well, no, it doesn't matter because it's actually offering it to Skate, and I don't know who that is. Well, it's not me. So I can't go to the kennel because my name isn't Skate. So sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, unfortunately, uh, that does mean we're just about out of time. So, uh, first of all, I'd like to thank, you know, my regular guest hosts, Frank and, and Skate. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Look, uh, look, an afterthought. Thank us. Uh, you're welcome for the work we do every week. Hard work. Good quality work that is superior to any fly-by-night work. I should say. You're welcome, Dad. But more than I would fr- thank Frank, I thank uh, Dana Dezago for being here as a special guest. Thank you very much for letting me join you, Jordan. I, uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I will also enjoy returning to my very lucrative and very well-renowned career. Uh, but perhaps I will be back in New York soon to join you again. It would be lovely. And until then, uh, we'll be seeing you. You know, with so many of our boys overseas, we here at Waxwork.com would like to recommend that all you good citizens out there invest in war bonds. It's the next best thing to joining them out there on the front lines, side by side with our fighting boys. God bless you, and God bless America. Waxwork, try her and you'll see. Waxwork, she's cheap and easy. When I'm feeling down, I put her on my laptop and go to town. I never wanted any other mother on the website. Don't ever bother with the drive to keep the baby alive on my side. Next time on Cast and Wax, we're going to feature guard duty, tractor fiction, and epic echoes, but we don't have time for a preview. That's coming September 22nd on waxwork.com.